Welcome to The Syndicate from the Business of Hockey and the Goal with your hosts, Richard York and Las Kowalski. Sit down, have a cigar and scotch, listen to some good music, and we'll talk hockey and business. Let's start this episode. Welcome to Episode 3 of A New Roadmap for Hockey's Future. Episode 1 in this three-part series was originally posted January 30th, 2020. And Episode 2 of this three-part series was posted February 6th. The original intent was not to post Episode 3 into the public domain. The intent changed when the framework for our new initiative, called Black Ops Blackboard, had been further developed out. At the end of this episode, there is further information outlining the business of hockey and the goal format. Enjoy the episode. The, the digital athlete platform and everything the referencing that we use between the leagues is very easy when you start talking about raw data and we know of this guy named richard dry who works for the madison square garden complex and any of the sports teams that run in there so you have the knicks and you have the rangers you have basketball and you have hockey how can you be running the analytics department for two different franchises in two different leagues that are completely different hockey is on ice basketball is on a court One's a ball, one's a puck, one's padding, one's gym shorts. When you break everything down into numbers and data, it is all the same when it comes to processing it. And it's fascinating that you can can see the crossovers everywhere. And when you're talking about big business or small business, it works the same. Data is data. Obviously, the bigger sports franchises have a lot more revenue and money that they can throw into this new technology and everything. That's why NFL is kind of spearheading the way baseball is too. There's lots of analytical data used in baseball. It's fascinating how we can compare that to what's going to happen in hockey because there's a lot of that processing software that can translate to doing hockey. I know of a firm in Montreal that uses sports data processing with an AI software, but they don't limit themselves to one sport. You can do hockey, you can do baseball, you can do whatever. Processing AI software that they have created processes data. doesn't matter where the data comes from. If you bring a data, it's going to process it. It's as analytics and analytical usage in the NHL increase, you can see it already being used in other leagues. That's why we're using so many comparables is because the revenue in the NHL doesn't quite match those of the NFL or the baseball league. And so you can see greater examples in other sporting franchises. And oftentimes, even Kyle Dubas himself has referenced other leagues and how they are using sports analytics to further along the tools and management styles and coaching styles of their respective leagues. So why can't hockey? And that's, and that's why he was hired. You know, in nine hours, he convinced Brendan Shanahan that that is the direction the league is going. Whether we like it or not, we saw evidence in other leagues. NHL has to follow suit. The bigger it wants to get, the more it has to adopt this new technology, this new processing methods and stuff like that. And John Chayka down in Arizona comes from a very different background as far as how he got into the NHL. He himself is a businessman. He loved hockey. He played and then he had back problems at 14, I believe. And he stopped playing hockey and had to pursue other things. So he went to Ivy Business School and he got himself a business degree. And him and his wife own a... I think it was 12, 12 Wendy's restaurants. And that is outside of the circle of hockey. He was hired as the general manager for the Arizona Coyotes at 26 years old. Can you imagine being a 26-year-old running an NHL franchise or managing an NHL franchise? Why? And we look back at his history and you see that he was a very successful businessman and he co-founded a company called Stathletes that's still running today, which the basis of Stathletes is is that they use video reviewing process 
to create data, which feeds into analytical processes. So they're using video footage, not just for breaking habits or habit making that coaches use it, but they actually break down video footage and process it into data that they use for performance increasing, business strategies, hockey player development, everything. And he did this before the age of 26. Like, holy crap. Just wanted to bring something up. I was actually looking at Richard Dry on LinkedIn. Under experience, he's the director of sports technology for Madison Square Garden Company. As the director of sports technology, it's my responsibility to maintain, develop, and innovate data technologies for the New York Knicks, the New York Rangers, Hartford Wolfpack, and the G League franchise, and the Westchester Knicks. In this role, I work with the staff on each team, coaches, trainers, general management on a daily basis. I also coordinate with corporate level MSG IT and chief technology office to work on wider projects. Now, here's what's interesting about this. On the profile of Richard Dry in LinkedIn, he has two certificates, one from March 2019 and one from May 2018. From March 2019, he has a certificate from MIT, Professional Education in Machine Learning, from Data to Decisions. From May 2018, he has a certificate from MIT, Sloan Executive Education in Artificial Intelligence, the Implications for Business Strategy. This is the foundation of where analytics is coming from. So you look at someone like Dubas, he has hockey in his blood from his family, his grandfather. Yeah. Right. His grandfather was a, he was a hockey coach, right? The issue that I had was how do you get someone who's now 34 running NHL franchise with no real foundation in general managing NHL franchises? Can I make a a theory? Let's hear it. Well, if you're putting it in a big picture like that, based on what we've discussed so far, we talked about how the old school guys have experiences and personal experiences, whether it's through general management or hockey or whatever, that turns their direction of thinking. What we described as dirty data. Now, it's not necessarily limited to the bias of a person and their skin color and their gender, but it is limited based on emotions your emotional experience of what happened there. Maybe you made a decision as a general manager, you traded Taylor Hall, and the situation ended very badly, right? That that plays on your mind. That leaves a mark on your mind and how you further do business as you go forward. So it has left a stain, a scar, whatever you want to call it, dirty data in the process that has influenced your decision-making abilities in the future. Now, some of those experiences are good experiences and some of them are bad. So definitely the good experiences gives you a track record of success and you play based on those successes. But if you have a track record or a couple of bad incidences, it twists your mental direction and it creates uncertainty in your mind, doubt that if you tried pulling the same sort of thing in the same sort of scenario would have come out differently. And based on your experience, it would be no. Even if all the data in the world said that this trade would work, uh, based on your previous experience, your emotional decision is going to be no, because it has left that scar, that dirty data. So when you're looking at somebody like Kyle Dubas, what dirty data does he have? Not a lot. 
he's actually a believer against it and he's doing everything he can to to not fall victim to it so you got some guy that's pushing himself forward and he may be more efficient because of that lack of experience he has drive and he has passion and he has the the skills and abilities to run a general manager position a big franchise but because of the lack of experience lots of people have questioned that well if you sell you sell yourself as a dirty data proof you know that you your those experiences haven't tainted your direction or your goal and your directions and goal in the future are all going to be successful data based decisions is certainly a good sales pitch when you look at it from that perspective, I think what's really interesting about what you just said, I guess what's really going through my mind, what are the qualifications required for a future general manager after Cal Dubas? Is it going to be a hockey guy or is it going to be a data scientist, statistician or stats guy who likes hockey? Well, I think it's <laughs> I think to perfectly answer that question, you're probably looking for a hybrid. You know, Kyle Dubas is definitely cutting edge guy. And if I'm sure there's, there's NHL franchises that are looking deep into it, you know, the Arizona Coyotes got themselves a really strong businessman. And because they're on an internal budget, they don't have the same kind of financial leeway that the Toronto Maple Leafs do. They have a much smaller fan base and they create a lot less revenue. So they needed somebody who was a business wizard to work numbers, who believed in analytical processes that you can get efficient players over expensive stat boosting players. And that's what they've done in Arizona. And they're, they're right at the top of the division this year. So you've seen, you have seen some success in what he's doing down there. He's been there for a couple of years now and he's, he's getting the franchise turned in that direction. As far as the profile or the resume for future general managers, you, you got evidence on both sides. You know, you look at Steve Eiserman and he's a guy who was a hockey player and he was uh, an executive. He was a scout for a little bit and he was the general manager and for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now he's the general manager for the, his Detroit Red Wings. But you look at a player like that or um, a general manager like that, I would probably think he would be best case scenario is that you got somebody who's good at both. We'll dig into Steve Eiserman and his role later on in the series. But when you get Kyle Dubas, it was Toronto going off the map to try and try and do something different and cutting edge and to spearhead them in a direction that could give them a competitive edge over the other franchises. Now, talking about databases and you need a history for data to really work. If you look at Kyle Dubas and his job history as general manager, you're still dealing with a small sample size. So we've talked a bit about his management styles and whatnot, which are the sample size that we have up to date. When you look at his junior league resume, it bodes well. If you look at his farm team system history, it bodes well. They see a trend in him as general manager that they're hoping carries forward in the NHL. So you get a data curve. His other experiences have curved him up into a winning scenario, and they're hoping that that trend continues in uh, Toronto. And there's no reason why it shouldn't at this point. And it has to do with gaining that competitive edge over your opponent. Toronto wasn't afraid to go off the map, you know, big giant media center. That's why Kyle Dubas draws so much attention compared to John Chaka, who was also, he was a lot younger. He was five years, five to seven years younger than Dubas when he was hired. 26 years old. All you 26 year olds out there, can you imagine running an NHL franchise? 
I think you just hit the nail right on the head that it doesn't matter how old you are. No. Right. If you have something special and you're good at something and you have a passion for something, you position yourself correctly. There will be people who will acknowledge that. Right. There will be people that will say, you know what, this is something that we want to try. And it again, when we go back and look at the franchises, they need to be competitive, even though they're within the league, they themselves have to be competitive, not only within their market, but they have to be competitive amongst themselves. Yeah. And I think that what is happening in Toronto and what's happening in Arizona with Cheka, it's you're seeing a business case play out. Someone has to take a chance on you. It doesn't matter if you're an investor or it's your your family who's putting some money into your small business. If you want to get ahead, you need someone somewhere to take a chance on you. And I think that's what you're seeing in these two markets is there is a business case where it has been proven in the NFL and in baseball. This is not something out in left field, but it's never been applied into the hockey league. It, it, it just hasn't been. Yeah. Right, not at this level. And it was funny that Dubas was talking about the naysayers, how they would sit there and say, You've been running this analytics for whatever it was, a year, two years. Why is there no evidence of it working? Correct. Yeah. Why is there no evidence of it actually working? Yeah. The and d- the doubters that doubted him before he even started. Again, I think it comes down to an understanding, and that's why we're doing this syndicate. You need to be able to understand what this is and how it's being applied. Knowledge is power, but not not only is knowledge power, perspective is power. I saw a picture yesterday, and it has these three boxes, and it has in the left box, knowledge, and in the middle box, it has experience, and in the right, it has creativity. And so... On the left side, it has these like little circles and the experience is the circles being connected. And on the right hand side is an actual picture drawn with the knowledge and experience. And I think once you understand the foundation of, for example, what Dubis is doing, once he starts getting that understanding and that they start implementing things, they're going to be able to start be creating really cool outcomes. And this is what I was talking about before. What is the true direction of Toronto and what Dubis is doing? It doesn't matter if you're 26 years old and it doesn't matter if you're 35, 40 years old, going to be on that cutting edge, even though people may not understand you, it doesn't matter because you're on that cutting edge of progressiveness. Someone's going to buy into that. Well, can you imagine those older, more experienced uh, GMs, if you throw a data line at them that disproves their experience? Fear. Exactly. Fear. And Exactly. And they won't want to do it. They will want to do what they know. And that is based on, they'll fall back on their experience. I'll, I'll say this to you straight up right now. When you look at this hockey league and you look at this as big business, you know, at the end of the day, if there's a better way, your experience and your age won't mean nothing. They will replace you in a heartbeat and bring you in as a consultant. That is how big business works. You talked about it before where there is no emotion in this, right? You yeah. talked about Nylander and his father negotiating. They were hard asses, yeah. but it's just a business. 
Yeah. And then once you get back to the ice, you, you go to work. Right. So if you have a platform that is more efficient and produces better results than the GMs that are out there, then of course you're going to look at adopting it. Right. And the thing is in every industry, what is happening right now is the old school guys that have the knowledge. It doesn't matter if it's in technology or if it's in construction, they are retiring There isn't going to be enough of them and there has to be a new model to be put into place so that you aren't dependent on necessarily hiring like a Shirelli, right? Or or whoever, (laughs) right? Because you don't know, like you're, you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. You need to have safeguards. Now, here's the question I ask you, what would have happened if there was a platform that was proven that, for example, Dubis had flushed out and was put into place at that level when Shirelli got hired. Now, imagine what happens when Kate's got sick. You'd have a safeguard. He would still be making his own decisions, but you would have a safeguard of some sort in that he wouldn't be able to just run willy-nilly and do whatever he wanted. And I think that the end result of what's going to happen moving forward with the ownership groups I think they're going to look at this as a risk management tool to mitigate their risk. You're dealing with hundreds and millions of dollars, right? Yeah. If it can be created as a tool to manage and mitigate the risk within the franchise with the uncertainty of bringing in a GM, a franchise is constantly rotating, right? It's always, you have a new roster, you have new GMs. It's constantly, yeah, it's, it's never, it's never old, right? But you need to have a safeguard in place of some sort that protects the assets and the ownership group. So as you have this revolving door of people coming through every year, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, you need that. And I think that's how the ownership groups are going to buy into this. If it's framed up in that perspective, I'm pretty certain they would buy in if it's proven. If it proves to help, then they may implement it more further down and at a coach level. But I think that to sell this to to the ownership group, I think it's from this other perspective, how to mitigate the risk. Because look at what Shirelli did with Cates. I mean, it was a complete mess. And look at what Holland has had to do. And he doesn't have much room in the cap. He doesn't have much room to do anything. No. So to me, when I look at what is happening in the league with this technology, with this platform, it's no different than if you're actually in business. Like we're talking about hockey, but this is also everything we're talking about is applicable to if you're a business owner. It also is applicable if you're a small business owner, right? The biggest fear that an owner has is somebody not doing their job or somebody taking what they have and running with it or not being on top of it. And that's where all these technologies are coming in. And that's where my hope is, is that the listener, regardless if they are a fan who is interested in business or if you're a business owner who is a hockey fan, is to help provide an understanding and help to provide translation and to provide insights to what's happening from these different sectors and how that could apply into your own business and what's being done. This is the future. You cannot discount this because you will be left behind. That is what is going to happen. 
And that is my perspective and my opinion. And you can see this, right? So my question to you is, do you think if there was an analytics platform of some sort put into place and in, for example, Edmonton, do you think that would have helped mitigate what Shirelli was doing? And my other question is, do you think with the new franchise starting up in Seattle, do you think they're going to go old school or do you think they're going to go and look at implementing an analytics department? Well, if we're talking about Peter Shirelli, some of the moves that he made didn't make sense on an analytical point of view. Like if you look at the Adam Larson, Taylor Hall trade, there's a big polarizing difference between the players, not only in position, but in results. And if he had somebody sitting next to him and showed him the raw data, he probably wouldn't have done it. He wasn't mitigated by anything. He wasn't limited by anything. And he pulled the trigger. I found an interesting stat the other day on Peter Shirelli. At one point in the league, out of the top five scorers, he had traded at some point and were another three of them. So the top five scorers of this of this specific NHL year, um, Tyler Sagan was one of them. He was a Peter Shirelli trade. Phil Kessel was an, <laughs> was an, another Peter Shirelli trade. Yeah, and then Taylor Hall. They were all top five, and Peter Shirelli traded all of them. So when you got to the Taylor Hall trade, you already had a basis of data from the other two. And what happened, right? We saw what happened with Phil Kessel. He became a hotshot scorer in Toronto. And Tyler Sagan became a hotshot scorer in Dallas. And so he already had data. He already had experience to pull from, but he didn't. You know, he went with his gut instinct to bring a defenseman that he thought was going to work out. Every data analyst out there, analytics department, processor would say otherwise that if you look at the history and the and the data on Adam Larson is that it classified him as a certain type of player and that the trend wasn't changing much to expect that trend to change very low right very low success so to bring Adam Larson in to bring him in a, in a changed environment and expect the results to change was incredibly inefficient And if he believed more in analytics and his analytical department, depending on if he had one or not, or how much of an influence it had, he was an old school guy who went to old school methods and he buggered it up. Now, if you're looking at the Seattle franchise, I I couldn't predict either which way they want to go. They have Ron Francis there at the helm, and he had a certain level of success in Carolina. But I think they brought him on more for his experience than than his cutting edge thinking. But as we already talked about with Steve Eiserman, is that just because you have experience doesn't mean you can't adapt. You talk a lot in your business podcasts about adapting. And you have to. You have to adapt to the times. If you have technology and processing ability available to you, you should use it. Cutting edge. Keep up with the times. That's how you stay on top of this ever-changing league. So with Seattle... It's going to be a bit different for the Seattle expansion because I don't think they're going to do the same uh, expansion draft rules that they did for Las Vegas. That's as far as I'm aware, because Las Vegas kind of got a stacked deck and they were given the ability to put out an incredibly competent team before anybody thought they should, that you should, you should have to work your way up, build your way up. And Las Vegas was handed a lot of cards to deal with and they were able to push out a very competent product pretty early and it really established themselves in that market. Seattle has to do the same thing and they're going to have to work within the rules 
of their expansion draft to do such. But as far as management and hockey operations go in, uh, in Seattle, it's kind of a wait and see which way Ron Francis will go. There's a pretty dark cover over everything as far as what's happening, especially on the business side, because they don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to talk about what's happening lower than that, right? Because they're all putting the pieces in, into place. But some way, somehow, they have to make an impact on the league to establish a fan base and establish a revenue base they will not have the same rules that Las Vegas has. So they're going to have to do it differently, market it differently, and they they may very well go the the analytical route. And it'll be it will be interesting to see if if they try and jump the gun right off the bat or if they try and work their way up to that. I think what I'd like to do is wrap up this episode. I don't think in any way we are done with this topic. Thanks for listening to part three of a new roadmap for hockey's future. The business of hockey and the goal is made up of four formats. Between the hash marks focuses on hockey management, tactics, and culture. The syndicate focuses on hockey ownership groups, analytics, and the future. Power Insights focuses on translating business to hockey players interested in entrepreneurship and any hockey fans interested as well. Each of these three episode formats are themed, titled, and then developed out into a self-contained research-based documentary series and then divided into multiple episode parts averaging between 20 and 30 minutes long delivered each week. On average, each of our docu-series is about 60 to 90 minutes in length. You can listen to the Business of Hockey and the Goal podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also view us on YouTube at the Business of Hockey and the Goal. On our YouTube channel, under the playlist section, all of the docu-series we are creating are grouped visually. The fourth format is called Black Ops Blackboard, and that is a separate initiative that builds on the syndicate and power insights and extends the business of hockey and the goal. This initiative combines education and research in a more advanced version. Some of the areas focused on include the digital athlete, digital hockey scouting, new technologies, and access to a private digital publication called Adapt or Be Left Behind, empowering the forward thinker, unconventional methods and perspectives for business leadership to work within a growth mindset. More details will become available over the coming weeks on the Black Ops Blackboard. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Syndicate from the Business of Hockey on the Goal, produced by the Power of Map Podcast. Until next time.